Sonic Interventions, a podcast by Intervening Arts. Hello, good afternoon on a rainy day in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome to the podcast Sonic Interventions that is being recorded for Freie Universität, Free University in Berlin, Germany, and will also be available in the United States and worldwide. I'm really honored and grateful and delighted to have you both join me as guests today. And I would like to start with having you introduce yourself, please. My name is Najee Wilson. I am a multidisciplinary artist, musician, and yoga practitioner. I am originally from Charleston, South Carolina, and I currently live and work in Brooklyn, New York. And my name is Erica Harper. I'm going to say I'm an educator. If I would give myself that one title, I'm, I'm VP of Learning and Engagement here at Weeksville Heritage Center. I've been in Brooklyn for about six months now. Uh, so it's my new home. I moved here for Weeksville and super excited to be in Brooklyn. It's been a really great city so far. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And today it's actually really quiet here on site. I imagine it's not always like that, but that's how it is today. I'm just wondering, so as you know, this podcast is called Sonic Interventions, and it's also really interested in quiet practices or the idea of different approaches to what's audible, playing with sometimes the level of what's barely audible. I'm just wondering if I say the word quiet in terms of listening, but maybe also in general, quietness, does it play a role in your daily practice, Naji as a yogi or Erica as an educator more generally? Yes, of course. Quietness. Oh, my gosh. It's the the milk and honey of the day, really. You know, those opportunities to just hear yourself breathe, your inhale and your exhale. It's a rare opportunity, really. city that can be tricky so there's always a horn there's always someone speaking whether that's in the room next to you or on the street it can be a little overwhelming so just finding the space to be quiet for me quiet has been more in the form of returning to nature not asking for everything to stop total silence that's very hard and i think a lot to ask but to go out into nature and hear nature's silence the rustling of trees a stick cracking because you're hearing some small animal move all of those things are like i said milk and honey it really gets you going and brings you back to feeling like you can just get on and i really enjoy being in nature and just hearing its song, whether that's silent or booming. The wind, you can even hear the wind. Um, we were sitting here just before we started recording and Erica <laughs> has her tarot cards and we did a quick reading. But after she finished reading the description, there was this huge gust of wind outside and it made the windows creak in this very quiet space was you know highlighted by that moment of sound so i always think that push and pull is really interesting just taking the opportunity to not hear or 
to hear what is already there and then coming back into a place where you can hear those highlighted moments. So that you all didn't hear while Najee was talking, but the moment he said something about silence and hearing, a bird squawked outside, right? Sort of highlighting nature sound. I think for me, oh, is education ever quiet? <laughs> I think I have to be really intentional about bringing in the quiet and the silence at work. Separately, born an only child, single and childless now. I spend a lot of time in the quiet and by myself. And re- I mean, I need that. It's just very much a part of me. And so trying to create space for that at work with kids, especially, you know, even if it's you know, we're going to start with a quiet moment. You know, there's always this rush to answer the question or to say the thing or do, do, do. And we often don't take the time to just pause, sit in the moment, sit in the silence. If it's uncomfortable or the comfort, if it's comfortable. But the thing that's so powerful about teaching that to kids is by the time then they're my age, they don't have to think about it. Right. It's a con- I have to think about it. <laughs> it's a conscious mm-hmm job Mm -hmm. for me and I think the younger we can start getting kids doing that then they're going to be so much better than we are around all of that yeah I almost feel like quietness goes hand in hand with mindfulness yes just being mindful enough to know that when we hold space anywhere we are we're going to create noise we might even create you know residue that's going to be left on that environment like Sonically speaking, how do we show up? Weeksville is in the middle of Crown Heights. And if you don't know Brooklyn, it's a West Indian neighborhood. Lots of reggae being played even in the middle of winter. And that's just the soundscape of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. During the Rest and Restore series here at Weeksville, it's been interesting to see how sound has played a part. Very unintentionally, it's made for a thing that everyone's having to work through or work with, just bringing that awareness to where you are, how you want to be in the space. But then the fact that, you know, there is a barbecue going on around the corner. (laughs) So, you know, uh, you really have to kind of be mindful to know that your experience is a part of everyone else's. And I love that about sound. Yeah, um, Najee, so you just actually mentioned also the neighborhood we're in. And we're really blessed today to be speaking from a site that's historically and also today still very significant for African-American communities. We're at the Weeksville Heritage Center. I was wondering, Erica, if you want to tell us more just about this very location we are in so that people who are listening can have a vision or imagine what this venue is like and why is it so significant? Yeah, absolutely. I wish I could paint the proper visual. So if you're listening, if you can close your eyes, we're going to travel back to the 1800s, give you a sense of what Brooklyn looked like then. I mean, 
green grass, meadows, trees. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, which most people in the United States refer to as the country. Brooklyn (laughs) was the country at that time. You didn't come out to Brooklyn unless you had a reason to be here. It was also really, really hard to get to in the 1800s. There was no Brooklyn Bridge yet. So people who were in Manhattan kind of stayed in Manhattan. No MTA child. (laughs) There was no no MTA yet. And so imagine you have this area out um, all the way out in Brooklyn kind of just safe, tucked away. No one's really out here at that point, but the animals. In 1838, skipping a lot of history, but we'll fast forward to 1838 when Weeksville is founded. Now, slavery, as you may know, was outlawed in the United States with the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. We could have a different discussion about emancipation in the United States that we'll save for another podcast. However, in New York City, slavery is outlawed in 1827. So a good almost 40 years before the rest of the country. What does that mean for black New Yorkers? It means that suddenly you have people who are formerly enslaved, people who had never been enslaved, living sort of a new life. They're now free, right? Well, what do you do with that when you have all these barriers and resistance around you just existing as a black person? You try to find somewhere safe for you. And that's what Weeksville became. So when Weeksville was founded in 1838, a group of gentlemen at the time in order to vote, to be able to vote, you had to be a man and you had to own land, right? To get to be enfranchised, to have the right to vote. And so what they did is they bought Plots of land from white family called the Lefferts, who are, you see their name all over New York, not just Brooklyn. I live in Lefferts Place. There we go. Exactly. So that's the Lefferts family. This was all farmland and this was their, they were Dutch family. This was their farmland. Elder Lefferts dies. The kids decide we don't really want to do farming at all. We're going to sell this. They sell those plots off. And then what becomes is a community. And so a group of gentlemen buy some plots of land. Their idea is to create an intentional black community. And I think that intention is so, so important to the story of Weeksville. This didn't just happen. It's not happenstance at all. This was intentional. And so they sold smaller plots to black families with the idea, come here, live, let's create a community. Wasn't really about making money. Wasn't about getting rich for them. It was about, we need our own. And people came At its height, Weeksville had about 500 residents. They had their own schools. They had a home for the aged. There was home for orphans, uh, churches, businesses, had their own newspaper called the Freedman's Torchlight. This was a self-sufficient black community in the 1800s, which is unheard of. Not that we were the only one. Weeksville was, I believe, the second largest in a sort of suburban area, but They're in Ohio, you know, they're in upstate New York. They're these little pockets where black folks decided to get together and live intentionally. And they did it. Self-determination, citizenship, community, all these themes. We talk about Weeksville relevance today. It's the same that it was back in the 1800s, right? These ideas that Weeksville was founded on that kept the community close together are ones that we work really, really hard to keep going and to do programming and things like that, that focus on those themes that continue the legacy of Weeksville. I'm honored to work here. 
I am only a steward. This is bigger than me. This legacy is bigger than any of us who work in this building. It's for all of us. And so it's just a pleasure to be able to share the space for yoga and then know that people are also getting the history and walking away with why we're even here in this space. Yeah, well, it's always, I already knew about the history, but hearing it from you as a um, VP working here, it's always so insightful. And I can, you know, literally I have images coming up to my head when you describe this history. And it's still a very vibrant place today. As you mentioned, you have so much beautiful programming that I really benefited from. And one of the offerings that is currently happening is the weekly rest and restore session offered by Naji. And so when you also, yeah. <laughs> When you mentioned the word intention, I was just yes. thinking, oh, you know, there was this intention historically. Intention is so important also today in such a practice. So I would love to hear more from you now, Naji, about this offering that you're making as a yogi and musician, I must say, because it really is from your yoga and sound session. Um, do you want to tell us more about yeah. it? And also maybe do you see it as a sonic intervention in this very space? Well, it absolutely acts as a sonic intervention among all the other sounds among the noise of the city it sings on its own and the way it's been so consistent i've really appreciated it um rest and restore is a yin yoga series that i've developed for the weeksville heritage center with everyone in mind within the community these are people who perhaps haven't ever practiced yoga or that have years-long practices. I'm combining Iyengar, Ashtanga, Hatha, and sound. It just feels so good, this combination, but it also provides many different entry points for people who you know, hadn't gotten a chance to experience what yoga could do or just benefit from practicing. I play a Rav Vast, which is a steel tongue drum. I love this instrument. It has such a warm, resonant tone. I play a scale that's called the Elo Pygmy. So it has a really mysterious sound. It's based off of African drums. And I also play the Dejembe, the Native American flute. I was in band as a kid. So a part of me always <laughs> smiles inside when I pick up a flute or any instrument, because for so many years, I let this part of myself go away just because I didn't feel like I was good enough or that I didn't have the thing that I needed to have in order to do it. Maybe that was confidence, but just being in this space where it's really about community, seeing everyone show up for themselves on their mat and walk away, leaving, feeling much more empowered. It has empowered me to keep going as well as just share. Music is something that just makes me happy. And throughout the pandemic, it was something that I leaned on quite a bit. I found myself listening to John Cage who is a composer that I really love, Alice Coltrane, you know, amazing instrumentalist. And all of these artists, the the one thing is like they interact with sound in just really profound ways, whether it's 
the silence being an entire composition in the case of John Cage, where you're hearing people cough and feet shuffle in the background, or whether it's Alice Coltrane, where she's chanting, you know, these beautiful Vedic chants, and we're hearing stirring silence in between, like when she's taking a breath, and it just really fills your soul. So allowing a chance to focus on everything, rather that's the resonant tone, the vocal, the silence, taking that moment to just feel it. That's what Rest and Restore is about. And I think everyone leaves feeling whole again, mostly because they've had a chance to give what they've been holding on to back to the earth. We're rolling in the grass here at Weeksville, and there's something so cathartic about that. All surrounded around this tree, we're seeing the roots of this tree go into the soil and thinking of the ancestors and the heritage in which we were able to make this place happen so that years from now, in this moment, we could all come together and support one another. So I'm just really glad to be able to offer it and so thankful for Weeksville for having me. And it just allows me to show up for my community in a way that I've dreamed of. I personally have had many transformations in my life. When I first moved to New York in 2012, I weighed somewhere around 200 pounds. And just ever since then, I've just been on this growth and a positive growth. I'm not looking for the perfect body. I'm not trying to become ideal because I am my own ideal, but feeling good and being able to share that feeling with the people around me is what makes me want to keep going. So my yoga practice is a part of that. My music is a part of that. All of it's mental health and well-being. So just sharing more energy. Oh, not just so. Wait, I got choked up listening to you. I was wondering if y'all saw me like tearing up because what one thing that and I'm probably going to get choked up saying this. I'll try to get through it that just I'm processing in this moment is what you said about community, right? Um, yoga is one of those things that can feel elitist, that can feel like there are barriers to entry. It's expensive. Word. You got to have the equipment, you know, run down the list of things. People don't look like me in these yoga mm -hmm. studios. Speak on it now. And uh, um, sorry, <laughs> thinking about what this space represents, both historically and what it can represent for us in these contemporary times, these moments I'm remembering two sessions we're on the mat young man comes in clearly he's never done yoga before in his life he, maybe he had but he was like a new baby bird on his feet and he was outside the circle and we welcomed him into the circle he was struggling through and Najee was helping him through but he stayed and he was committed and he's in this circle full of women you know he's the only he and Najee are the only men in the circle but he stayed and he felt welcomed the week after that, we had a mom show up and she had her small daughter with her. Her mom was with her. I got the sense that this moment of yoga was her only moment for herself that she was going to have because mm -hmm. she brought everybody else with mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. And there's just something about everyone being, we get a range of ages at yoga, mm -hmm. right? We, we're all in different places, but we are all there together mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful sight to look around the circle and see people and to see it growing and to know that how much this is doing for our community. You know, I don't know that folks right around Weeksville are thinking about yoga on their Saturdays. People got 
people have real life, not that yoga isn't part of real life, but people are wondering how they're going to eat, how they're going to pay bills, how they're going to keep their lights on, like the practical stuff. And so that people are able to take a moment in the middle of a Saturday and come and be able to connect with themselves, connect with nature, connect with each other and to do it in this space to just feel, I mean, <laughs> it's incredible just so to think about yeah. and to know that that's what we're doing mm-hmm. in this neighborhood where we mm-hmm. sit. It's really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. No, it's yeah. totally fine. All the emotions. I mean, that's what it's all about for me. I've been really also enjoying it. So we're talking about this and I'm, I've also been a participant. That's also how I met you both. And um, I've also been really moved. So, it really resonates with me what you're saying because we're gathering around this circle. And so I could, you know, sense all of the ancestral gatherings that have been happening here. And similarly to you, I've, even though I'm not working here for weeks, but I'm someone who likes to observe. And so I was watching the people around me and the practice was empowering me because of what it did to me. So the sense of how I'd grounded myself, I always arrived here very stressed and rushed. And as you're saying, like, trying to manage the Saturday and really grateful to be able to just take that moment. And I was watching the people and also thinking, oh, these are not people I see at other yoga classes necessarily. And this is so interesting because yoga historically is not something that comes from the West. It is not a white practice historically, right? But the way that it has been developed in the in the kind of Western societies that we're in turned into a way that's there are many spaces where people wouldn't feel comfortable going to or would feel like, as you're saying, yoga is not for us. And so I would just really observe the people around the circle. Sometimes it was only people who I would identify as black women. And it really felt also non-judgmental, very different bodies who were around. I really appreciate how you facilitated the space. One thing that I noticed also at the beginning is that sometimes people come late, right? Because maybe they're coming from work whatsoever. And you had a way, Naji, of not starting over again, but you made space for that person to arrive, to feel like they were just on time and to make them feel included and acknowledge them while a regular practice would probably just like go on with their program. So also this idea of stretching time in a way and of making sure that we're reclaiming our time in a, in a time where it feels like black rest and black joy or all of these moments are so seldom for us to feel, right? There's very little images also in the media telling us that it's okay to have black rest or black joy. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing all of this. Right now, I feel like maybe people want to hear some of the sounds that you <laughs> played during the session, but we can also do that later if you want to. Um, yeah, let's just do on, a, a quick meditation, like everybody. Helpful. <sighs> and I'll ask you wherever you are, if you're within the sound of my voice, that you just take a deep breath in. And a nice cleansing exhale out. Deep breath in through the nose. Three seconds. Inhale. Deep exhale out of the mouth. Let this extend for six seconds.
take a deep breath in and a deep exhale out. Slowly return to your normal breath. That was a quick little meditation that definitely gives you a sense of the vibe that we have at Weeksville for Rest and Restore. Saturdays, 2 p.m., y'all. You could be a part of this, but even if you're not in Brooklyn and you can't physically join us, you can always take a moment and just listen to the sound of your breath. There's a healing there. May I tell you what I love about this drum? We talk about sonic interventions. I feel it the moment you play the first note. Like you can feel the sound waves on you. And it is, that's why I just, I closed my eyes and I was like, oh, let me just sit and feel it. But it's, and I love when you come around a circle. So you're like right by our heads. Cause then it like goes mm-hmm. all the way through. I don't know if it's the drum or if it's you or if it's the combo of the two, but so many sonically things. you feel those waves like, everywhere in your body. I love that. I love playing with how sound is delivered. I think so oftentimes sound in the sense of music is a background element in mm. our lives. Like whether we're in the car, whether we're on our way somewhere and we just have, you know, questionable sound equipment, earbuds. In That's our head. I keep one in. Right. So, you know, there's all these different ways, but we're never really experiencing mm. sound. When I was taking early yoga classes, like I've been taking yoga for well over eight years now, and I had never really experienced sound in class. And it was always, oh, this tone that we're pulling from within, but to experience that outside of myself in like this really heavy center e note does that same thing it almost recalibrates you so to bring the instrument around to like bring it close to the head of the practitioner and allow them to feel that resonance and then also experience everyone else's resonance so you're not only just hearing it the one time you're hearing it maybe however many times how many people are in the class so Mm -hmm. it becomes this different thing this repetition Mm -hmm. it's a new silence Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it really allows the Beyonce that might be booming in the background of the neighborhood to be silenced and we can really focus yoga is about control we want to control our breath we want to control our movement and then maybe somewhere along the way we can get control of the thoughts Mm -hmm. that are racing in and out and allow the things that we want to stand in the front to do so. Mm, That's a beautiful thought. Yeah. I think, yeah, that was also beautiful. I think that was, um, that was really great to, to be in conversation with you. And it forced me to listen to the music differently, to be very attentive to what you have been sharing. And I keep thinking about, um, yeah, the way that this offering is making me also listen to the space of Weeksville differently mm-hmm. and vice versa, how the space of Weeksville is affecting how I listen to the practice. Um, yeah, thank you both so much. 
Thank y'all. This was, I mean, it's a, it's an honor to be able to do this in this space. And so Najee, just thank you. Trying to get choked up again. It means a lot. And it's just sort of sitting here in this moment and processing, taking a moment for silence Mm -hmm. to sit in it Mm -hmm. where it's just really hitting me how special it is, what we're able to do here and got you to thank for that. I'm just so grateful for the space, the opportunity, the community, like the way we're showing up because these classes are great as a thing that I can just do, but it makes not a class if I don't have anyone to share with. So the fact that um, there have been so many very loyal practitioners is just shown that it's landing. And that means a lot as someone who believe it or not, can be a little shy, (laughs) y'all. I get shy sometimes and I get nervous, but I'm an artist. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time and have a blessed rest of your day.